Let's give it up for Rhythms of Grace one more time. Thank them for leading us. Wow, wow, wow. You know, I, um, I, just, I, I love worship through song. I cannot sing worth a lick, so I, I bet you, you know, they're probably hearing me sing. They can hear me probably in the booth singing. They're thinking, Lord have mercy, I hope he never tries to sing. But I, I just, I'm telling you, I love our friends leading us in worship. Yeah. And there was one particular song, Thy Will Be Done. And I was actually going to be preaching that passage this week, but God had other plans. So what I might just do is preach a two-minute version of it. Because you, you do realize that was taken when Jesus was in the garden and he was praying to the Father. He's like, Father, if this cup could be passed from me, like, let, let it be. Like, I'm headed to the cross Lord, if there's any other way that I could die for the sin of the world, I'll, I'll do it. Could, could I bypass the cross? Could, could I bypass what, what's going to happen on the cross? But what, what happens next, he says these four words, thy will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And those four words sealed his fate. And see, see I, I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you are struggling. Maybe you got news this past week and it was bad news. And, and you, you, you are spiraling. You're, you're hurting, you're worried, you're panicking. And you're sitting, you're having your own Garden of Gethsemane moment. And that song, I hope and pray that that truth would hit you between, not the eyes, but the heart. And that you would remind yourself, thy will be done. Because it was through the cross that we have life. And it is through the cross that we have eternal life. So, so here's the thing, what we're praying now, is thy will be done. And what might happen is that although there might be bad news, there might be a cross in our life. There's coming a moment of resurrection. But it started at thy will be done. So I don't know where you are in your marriage. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know where you are in your work. But we can pray, even the prayer for the Ukraine and Russia. God, thy will be done. Yeah. That was free. That was free. To, we're going to be in John 13. So if you have your Bible, you go ahead and turn with me to John 13. And I actually brought, brought some fun stuff with, with me this morning because we're going to be talking about the ministry of the Tao in John 13. Now, I don't know if you are quite aware of all of the various towels that we have in our life, but I brought quite a bit of them with me today. So uh, these are what? Paper towels, I think these are the cheap kind. These are not brawny. Uh, so uh, we got these from the church. So church, hey, whoever buys our paper towels, brawny. Uh, these are very thin. <laughs> Anyways, but, but here's the thing that, <laughs> just joking. So, but the, here's the thing about paper towels in the Laxton house. Uh, we have a dog named Mater. And he's two years old. And anytime somebody new comes over the house and they start petting him and go, oh, your dog is so cute. Hey, Mater. He does a happy pee. I don't know if you have a dog that happy pees, but he can't hold his bladder because he's still two. And so what we'll do is we'll have to go into the kitchen and Joni will say, go get the paper towels. And so these paper towels, they are used to clean up happy pee from Mater, but they're also used for various other things. What are some other uses we have of paper towels? Anybody? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean, cleaning the counter. All right, so paper towels. Uh, uh, here we have uh, a tissue. Uh, tissues. Uh, so what, what are tissues used for? Yeah, blow, blow your nose. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, tears. I won't, do, I won't wipe my eyes after I just blew my nose. But yeah, so, so you got tissues, uh, smudges on your glasses. You clean those. Uh, here, here's another one. Uh, hand towel. Any, any, you know, any hand towels out there? So uh, what, what do you use hand towels for? Your hands. Duh, Josh, duh. Yeah. You go into the washroom, you wash your hands, and then you go for a hand towel. Now, one of the things that I used a hand towel for this past week is I was whooping up on some teenagers playing pickleball the other day, and I'm telling you, I wish I had a picture to show you. I was drenched. I, I had a dinner I was going to later that night, and I, but I was drenched. And so the lovely family that we were over, they gave me a hand towel that was wet, and it was awesome. Got to wipe all my sweat off of, and uh, yeah, so I hope that they washed that hand towel after I got you done with it. Uh, here's another one. Bath towel. Bath towel. Oh, what do you use bath towels for? Shower. Anybody out there a drip dryer? You a drip dryer. Uh, very few people are drip dryer. Now, we went to Islands of Adventure this past Thursday, and there were a couple of water rides there, and it was pretty neat. They had a human blow dryer. You could get in that blow dryer, but you had to pay some money. And I'm thinking, it'd be, it would be awesome if I could get that installed in the house that we will buy here, like a human blow dryer. You wouldn't even need a towel, but we need towels, all right? Uh, I, I got just a couple of more in here that I want to show you. Uh, uh, so, uh, wet ones. A- anybody have those in your purse, women? Uh, yeah, yeah we, we, got, we got one here. At least have some wet, wet ones. Uh, because because anytime I'm with my wife, especially with COVID, I, you know, I'm a germaphobe a little bit. And so I'm like, baby, you got one of those wet ones? I'd love to have one of those wet ones, wipe my hands. My hands can be all clean. So we, we got some wet ones. And uh, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say this is my favorite towel, but <laughs> just put that right there. You know what that's for. I, I don't even have to say. You say, you say, you say, you say, Josh, what's, what's this all about? Okay. Imagine a world with no towels. We'd be dirty. That's God's honest truth. Imagine a world with no towel. And see, what, what we will learn this morning in John 13 is the ministry of the towel that Jesus took up. And at the very end, what we'll see is without the ministry of the towel, we would still be dirty. And I pray and I hope that this, that this morning, Northland, that you would be reminded or you would learn for the very first time that we are to be taking up the ministry of the towel. So if you're ready for the main point, say you're ready. Hey, if you're watching us online, you're engaging, go ahead and type in the chat that you are ready. Here is the main point. The journey to the cross involved the ministry of the towel. The journey to the cross involved the ministry of the towel, which means for us today, the journey from the cross will always involve the ministry of the towel. And so you might be sitting there, okay, well, what's the ministry of the towel? I'm so glad you asked because that's what we will be unpacking for the remainder of our time. So will you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word? And you will see that I will do this from time to time, and you might think to yourself, like, Josh, why are we standing for the reading of God's word? Well, here's what we believe. 
We believe that the Bible is God's word to us and God is the king of the cosmos. And so anytime the king enters in and he begins to speak, we're going to stand in honor of him speaking. And so that is why we are standing this morning in honor of King Jesus speaking to us from John 13. And here's what the king says to us. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the what? End. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. But, but look at verse 3. Jesus what? So even, even in light of, of the soon coming betrayal, he knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Hey, you might be going through a betrayal right now. You might be going through a hard season right now, but God's in control. You, he knows where you are, and he's going to see you through it just like he was seeing Jesus through it. Amen. Verse 4, so he got up from the mill. Jesus did. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' clean, beautiful feet. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> but he, dry, he, he was drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Then he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, well, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. <laughs> well, Peter, he's known, for, he's known for running his mouth. Here's what he says. He's like, you shall never wash my feet, Lord. This is beneath you. Do not touch my dirty, grimy, toe jam feet. Don't. Don't do it. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Oh, gosh. Simon Peter, he replied, well, then don't just wash my feet, but wash my hands and my head as well, Lord. Like, I want you to wash all of me, then I want to share with you. Do whatever you have to do, Jesus, so that I can share life with you. Oh, wish I wish we had that heart. Lord, whatever you will call us to do, whatever you want to do in our life, Lord, do it because we just want to share with you. Amen. Mm. Amen. I can't even dance, but I, I, got, I got the little feeling right there. Uh, and then Jesus answers, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. The whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. What is he saying? He's saying, because you do know me, Peter, because you have confessed that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. You have been bathed. You have been washed. You have been cleansed. But, but not every one of you. Well, who is he talking about? Well, he knew that one was going to betray him. And that is why he said not everyone was clean. So out of the 12, there was one that was unclean, had not been bathed. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his what? Master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17. Everybody read this out loud with me on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's pray. Father, we want to be blessed. We want to be blessed. So will you teach us this morning about the ministry of the towel? That we all, if we're not already, would become towel holders this morning. Serving you for your glory and others' good. And it's in your name we pray. 
All God's people said? So what we're going to do this morning as we look at the ministry of the towel, we're going to look at four truths about the ministry of the towel. Now, my wife's not here. She was here last night. She always gives me a hard time because I make this statement that the ministry of the towel should make the world go wow. And she's like, you know your little southern accent makes it, this, makes it you know, rhyme, but it really doesn't rhyme, and I don't care. So the ministry, <laughs> the ministry of the towel makes the world go wow. And we're going to see what makes the world go wow. So we're going to look at four truths that make the, will make the world go wow. Truth number one, the posture of the towel. The posture of the towel. So we have this scene. They're celebrating the Passover meal, but it's the night that Jesus will be betrayed and just soon later he will be crucified. He will die on the cross. He will hang there naked for the sin of the world. But he's having this Passover meal with his disciples. Now, they didn't have a table like we do today where we sit at it and eat. No, they're kind of lounging and leaning up against the table and their feet are out on uh, the floor. And so we have this picture where Jesus, he gets up and he takes a towel, he wraps it around his waist and he begins begins to make his way to the feet of the disciples. Now, I have a question to ask. How many feet people do we have in the room? Anybody love feet? Maybe one, two. Listen, I, I, I don't like feet. My wife, we've been married almost 19 years. She has tried. She has, she has begged for me, to, for me to rub and massage her feet. I'm like, I don't do feet, baby. Don't do feet. And then we'll get into bed, and especially living in the Chicagoland area, and it's cold in the wintertime. I don't know if you know that. It's cold. And so we'll get in bed, and she'll put her cold, nasty, grimy, dirty feet on me. I'm like, baby, get your feet off me. Like, I don't do feet. Now, now I, I did bring a picture of just clean feet. Clean feet right up here. here here's clean feet. Now... If, if somebody paid me, if somebody paid me, like that's where I tell my wife, listen, what are you going to pay me and I, I, I'll massage your feet? Like if, you, if I massage your feet, will you massage mine? She's like, no, you need to love me. And I'm like, all right, well, we're, we're going to have to think about something else. So anyways, but, but, but clean feet, we, we might do that. We might touch some clean feet. But what about these feet? Would you touch these feet right here? See, that, 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 re, that represents the disciples' feet. You see, they, they lived in the Middle East. They, they didn't have shoes like we have to protect our feet, keep them all nice and clean. Maybe stinky, but clean. But, but they had dirt, grime, his nasty, jacked up feet. And now Jesus, he has this towel and he makes his way to their feet. And, and one of the things about feet then, even Jewish servants, it was beneath them to even clean feet. It was, re it was reserved for Gentile servants. At least they were unclean so they could go and they could touch the unclean feet. So here Jesus, he, he's even going below what Jewish servants would, would go. And he's touching dirty, grimy, nasty feet. How on earth, here's the question that I have. How on earth does the Son of God, in light of his soon coming betrayal and death, how in the world does he lay aside his garment, lay aside his role as master, teacher, rabbi, and Lord, and how in the world does he take upon himself the role of a servant slave? How does he stoop to the, to the depths of depravity to wash people's Feet. Well, we, we, we have the answer in the first three verses. Jesus knew. T tell your neighbor, Jesus knew. Jesus knew. 
Jesus knew. Now, what, what did he know? He knew three things. One, he knew that the hour had come where he will depart out of this world He knew that the Father had given him all things into his hand, and he knew that he was going back to the Father. Don't miss this. The reason why Jesus could stoop so low and clean the feet of these dirty disciples is because he knew whose he was, and he knew why he was there. He knew his purpose and he knew his identity. His identity was embedded in the Father, and his purpose was purpose was to go to the cross because that's what the father had for him you see uh, last weekend my well I, I don't want to give him away but one of one of my children told me said dad uh, you, you, you need to preach good next you need to preach good this weekend you need to impress these people so that they like you you know so so, so no pressure <laughs> so so here's what I, here's what I told told my son I said uh, buddy Man, I'm not going there to impress these people. I'm preaching to an audience of one. Because I said, buddy, if I'm there to try to impress them, I can't serve them. You, you, you see, I'm not up here, and I, you know, they, they gave me a nickname. They called me Zippy now because I zip back and forth from the stage. So I'm like, Zippy. I'm like, you know, which way am I going to go? Yeah, yeah. But hey, listen, I, I don't do this to get the applause. I don't do this to impress you. I don't do this to tick you off. I do this because this is who I am. This is who God has made me. I'm secure in who God has made me. I'm secure in his purpose for me. I'm secure. And so I don't have to impress you because if I'm trying to impress you, then I'm serving myself. And see, we live in a culture where they're trying to impress, they're trying to perform so that they can get applause, so that they can get fed, so that their ego can get inflated. And what they are doing is that they're not serving others, they are serving themselves. And see, church, the reason why maybe some of you, you can't stoop so low is because you care too much what other people think. See, see, Jesus, I mean, he knew all things. He knew what the disciples were thinking. Only Peter had the courage to say something. So we give him a bad rap sometimes. At least he said it. Like, Lord, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Are you a fool? Don't touch my feet. And see, Jesus didn't care what his disciples thought. Only person he cared about was the Father. So the posture... The posture is, is going to be rooted in your purpose that has been handed down by the Father. It will be rooted in your identity in the Father. And so that is where your love for others will be anchored. And see, if you are sure of where you are going, which Jesus was, he was sure of where he was going. He knew that he had to go to the cross, but he was sure that he was going to be back with the Father. Because of that, he could take the posture of the towel. So Josh, you might be asking, how do I know if I have the right posture? Well, let's keep going and let's look at the second point in truth, and that's the purpose of the towel. The purpose of the towel. So what we see in verse, verse five and six, so he gets the towel and he comes to Simon Peter who says to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
And Jesus actually says, you don't realize what I'm doing now, but later you will understand. And Peter's like, please don't wash my feet, Lord. This is embarrassing. Don't, don't touch my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then that's when Simon Peter's like, man, wash everything. Wash my head, my hands, everything. And, and Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. What, what, what is Jesus saying there? He's saying, because you are following me, you are entirely clean, but your feet kind of get dirty. So what that reflects is this, is that if we follow Jesus, we are entirely clean, but our feet represent the fact that we, we do still sin. And so there's this constant need of confession, and there's this constant need of reattuning our, our, our gaze and our heart to Jesus when what he's already done in our life. And then he goes on. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? And so here's the purpose of the towel. There's actually three legs or three elements to the purpose of the towel. First, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. It points to the cross and Christ's ultimate act of humility, service, and love. So what he's doing with the towel, it's just reflective of what he will ultimately do on the cross. For the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so our service, when it comes to the ministry of the towel and the purpose, the purpose of the towel is to reflect Christ's ultimate sacrifice. Let me ask you this, and this is really hard on me. Is my service, is it reflective of Christ's ultimate sacrifice? Because if so, it will be sacrificial. It will be selfless. It will be costly. Let me ask you this. Is your service to your family, is your service to your spouse, is your service to your workplace, is your service to the faith community here at Northland, is your service to the community, is it reflective of Jesus' ultimate sacrifice? Second, it's practical. So not only is it spiritual, but it's also practical as it points to the physical cleaning, cleaning of the feet and the enhancement of the disciples' physical condition. Say, I love it. When Jesus ended that dinner, the disciples' feet were clean. Physically, they had been enhanced by Jesus' ministry. Let me ask you this. Is your service, is the way you serve others, does it physically enhance them? Does it elevate them? And then third, it's tangible. It tangibly demonstrates Jesus' love for people and how he has served them and how he invites them into the kingdom of God. It's tangible. The fact that he got on his hands and knees and began to clean their feet, he's tangibly demonstrating the inbreaking kingdom of God, how those who come into God's kingdom, he wants to tangibly demonstrate his love and his grace and his mercy in their life. Let me ask you this. Does your service tangibly demonstrate the love, the grace, the mercy, the inbreaking kingdom of God in this world? I was reading a story of Eric Little, who was the flying Scotsman, whose his story is depicted in the movie Chariots of Fire. He was an Olympic gold medalist who actually refused to run on Sunday. But what many may not know of Eric Little is that he was a missionary to China. 
Now, while, while in China, World War II broke out and Japan invaded China, well, his family furloughed to Canada and they were staying there and they just did not sense a piece of staying in Canada while the people that they loved and had been serving are over there suffering. And so they decided to go back to China. Well, things really got heated, and so he sent his wife and his children. His wife was pregnant with their third child, and so he sent them back to Canada, but he decided to stay. Well, in deciding to stay, he and other, uh, other foreign nationals and then also some Chinese nationals, they were arrested, and they were sent to an imprisonment camp. Now, now, while there, here's what Eric did. In this, in this imprisonment camp, he helped clean the communal toilets for hygiene purposes. He taught the camp school, organized various sports for the kids. He even planned worship services. And there were 300 kids in this camp that had no parents, and so he looked after them. But what was, so, what was so impressionable to me as I was reading the story was the story of the 17-year-old kid who had worn out his shoes. His feet were coming through his shoes. Eric noticed that. He goes back to his room. He grabs his running shoes, the running shoes that he had won a gold medal in, and he wraps them up and he takes them to the 17-year-old kid and he gives his Olympic gold medal running shoes to this kid to put on to have shoes shoes for himself. You see, that is the purpose of the ministry of the towel. It's to take off your shoes and to give it to others. It's for you to show that humility, that it's not about you. It is about the glory of God and others. And so I'm so grateful for the Eric Liddells of the world. So it's the purpose of the towel. Is your service, is it reflecting King Jesus? Is it reflecting the inbreaking kingdom of God? Is it enhancing life? Is it breathing life into others? Or is it sucking life out of people? Then third, the third truth. Everybody okay? This is a hard message for my second one. You're like, yeah. Man, he, he bringing a hammer. Pow. The, the, the third truth is this, the pattern of the towel. The pattern. Look at verse 14. Here's what Jesus says. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, I've washed your feet. What does he say? You also should what? Wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So now there's this pattern. What Jesus is telling his disciples, what he is telling his church over 2,000 years from this moment, he is saying, what I have done, I have set an example, a pattern for you. It should be, it should be something that you see daily in your life. And so there are a few elements of this pattern that I want to share with you this morning real quick. Number one, the, the first pattern is the ministry of the Tao is to be an ongoing part of every follower of Christ. Do you want to know how you can know that you are a follower of Jesus? Just look at the way you serve. Now, I'm not saying, please hear me, please hear me. I am not saying that you serve to be saved. No, 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 no. You cannot do enough acts of service to earn salvation. You do not serve in order to be saved, but you serve because you are saved. And what Jesus is saying is that this service is ongoing. It's present, active, indicative. See, there was one disciple. There was one disciple. He had spent three years with Jesus serving, but he was getting ready to serve himself. And that was, that was Judas. 
See, the other disciples, even, even Peter, I mean, he, you know, he fell horribly sometimes. He's getting ready to deny Jesus. But what, what would happen in his life, there would be this pattern of ongoing service to the king and people. So if you want to know that you follow Jesus, and here's the thing, if you want to know that, that you are saved and you follow the real Jesus, because culturally, we, we live in a culture that constructs the own Jesus that, that they won't have. Or maybe you think in your own, your own mind, well, I, I like this Jesus. You're like Ricky Bobby. I like my Jesus like this. But, but here's the thing. If you follow the real Jesus outlined in Holy Scripture, you will serve like him. Everybody all right? All right. The, the, the second pattern is this. Oh, the, ooh, ooh. Tell, you, tell, tell your neighbor, get ready, get ready. Oh, it's already, well, it's not on the screen yet. Here it is, here it comes. The ministry of the town means no act of service should be, be beneath them. Jesus stooped as low as you possibly could stoop. No service is beneath us. Even as the lead pastor here, no service is beneath me. None. You know what I always call the lead pastor? He's the chief sacrificing officer. There's three areas of service that I always like to tell people in the church. There's areas of necessity, there's areas of nurturing, and there's areas of natural gifting. And see, what typically happens in the church is that you have people rushing to the areas of natural gifting. Well, I want, I, I want to use my gifts. I want to use my passion. And we want you to. We want to carve out spaces for you to use your natural areas of gifting. But what typically happens is that you look over the areas of necessity and the areas of nurturing. See, here in this passage, Jesus says, I have to do this, and you need to do this for one another. There's areas of necessity, and there's areas of nurturing. Well, so, Josh, what are those? Well, I'll give you a couple of practices for instances today is children's ministry and student ministry those are areas of necessity and the reason why they're areas of necessity is because we have carved out in the model of church that we have chosen we have carved out ministries appropriate to children and teenagers and so we need people of necessity to go back and serve children and students. Now, I've had people, all, you know, I've had people for over 20 years, they've, they've told me, well, no, 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 Pastor Josh, uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not called to do children's ministry, to which I have replied, do you have children? And they go, yeah. I said, well, how many you got? They said, well, they'll say two, three. I said, well, God called you to children's ministry. Why can't I? <laughs> it's necessity. It's a nurturing. You, you do realize that you are not called to do life together, that we are to care for one another, love one another, pray for one another. And so you need to be in a community group. You need to be in a small group. And we have, we have I mean, literally almost like hundreds of community life groups, learning groups that you can be part of where people can know you, know your name, know your needs. And then you can get to your areas of natural giftedness. So the ministry of the town means no act of service should be beneath them. And then third, the third pattern is this. The ministry of the town means we serve those who don't deserve it. See, they, they, there, was one, there was one guy there that, humanly speaking, we were like, don't, why are you touching his feet? He's getting ready to betray you. But Jesus stooped down, and he washed the feet of Judas. You see, we live in a culture that basically says, I'll serve you if, if you deserve it. I'll tip you based upon the service rendered to me, and I'll tip you based upon your service to me. 
You see, that's, what we, that, that's kind of what we do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But see, what Jesus, he, what, if Jesus, what if Jesus tipped us based upon the service we have rendered to him? He'd kick us out of his restaurant. But no, that's not the way Jesus operates. See, you've probably been hurt by the church. Maybe there's somebody in this room that have hurt you, maybe through all of the transitions over the last few years. Maybe you have been hurt, and you're like, you know what, I'm not going to serve that church. They've hurt me. Good night. Listen, Jesus served Judas. See, that's why, that's why churches and Christians should be the best at service in the world. Because we serve people that don't deserve it. Because we know we are the ones that don't deserve it. See, the reach of our ministry is predicated on the depth of our service. The health of a church is measured by the activity of her members' service. The greatness of a church is predicated on the level of her service. If we want to be a great church, it's not, going to be, it's not going to be because you have a great preacher. It's not going to be because you have a great worship team. It's not going to be because you have a great children's ministry. It's going to be because you have great people that are called towel holders willing to serve. I told you last week I felt at home. So, and then the last, the, la- the last truth is this, and I-, I love this one. It's the power. It's the power of the towel. Verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. Now, I love that word blessed. You know why I love that word blessed? is because I see it in the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1. We see that God blesses Adam and Eve and says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And see, that idea of blessing is God imparting his presence and power into human beings to do what he has called them to do. And see, what Jesus is saying is, blessed are you if you know these things and do them. So if you want to invite God's presence, if you want to invite God's power in your marriage, if you want to invite God's presence and power in your workplace, church, if we want to invite God's presence and power here among us as his church, then serve like Jesus. And could it be, could it be the reason why we don't experience, as Americans, the reason why we don't experience God's presence and power in and through his church today is because we are too, we are too preoccupied with people serving us and us not serving them. And then here's the other thing about blessed. Not only does blessed invite God's presence and power into our life, but the word blessed also means happy, joyful, content. Could it be, could it be the reason why our culture today, the the Western culture, the people of the United States of America, the reason why they're not happy, the reason why they have no joy, the reason why they are dissatisfied, the reason why they are unfulfilled, because they're waiting for people to serve them and not willing to serve others. And see, what Jesus is saying is that if we want to be happy, if we want to be content, if we want to be satisfied, then you will pick up a towel and you will put it around your waist and you will serve for the glory of King Jesus and for the good of others. That's the happy man. That's the happy woman. That's the happy teenager. So I end with this. What if, uh, what if there were no towels in the world? What if there was no towels? 
let's just put all these towels back up because you know what? Let's just imagine a world with no towels, nothing to blow your nose, nothing to wipe Mater's happy pee, nothing, you know, no, no wet ones. No, what if there was no towels? This world would be a messy, messy place. But praise God that there is a king who loves us in our mess who over 2,000 years ago journeyed to the cross, and on his journey, he took the ministry of the towel up to enter into our mess and to cleanse us and to make us right with God and to make us a new creation. And now we have the privileged church of continuing that ministry of the towel on. So church, Northland, let us embody the ministry of the towel, and the world will truly go, wow. Let's pray. Father, Father, we, 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 want to, we want this ministry. We want to embody the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the towel. I pray for my brothers, my sisters, my new church family, that I know, I, I know being a towel holder, it, it, it is tough. It's easier said than done. So, Spirit, I do pray that the power that, that you have, resurrection power would, would be would be present in our life as we take upon this ministry. And I do pray that as towel holders, we will position ourselves in the service of King Jesus to posture and position ourselves for greater things, not just serve for what we have right now, but we will position ourselves to serve in such a way, in such a capacity where we'll pray, Lord, through our service, open the floodgates and do a Holy Spirit work. And that's what we pray in Jesus' name, amen.